Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast, brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmel, the unknowing apprentice traveling unwittingly into more danger than I can possibly imagine. Fortunately, my guide and teacher on this intergalactic journey into the heart of a planet-killing machine is none other than the founder of Vanguard Tactics, my good friend, 40K mentor, and now also my nutrition and fitness guru. He is truly the Obi-Wan Kenobi to my Luke Skywalker, Mr. Steven Box. Steve, how's it going? Dave, I've got your reference today. You did. I've seen Star Wars. If you didn't, I was really going to have to um, find the rock that you had been living under. So, like, I know you live close to Stonehenge, but dear God. Yeah. Can you imagine I haven't watched Star Wars? I, I haven't can't. watched them all, actually, though. That I can believe. Because I watched the, the original three, obviously, when I was a kid. Um, right. And then I watched, like, The Phantom Menace and the other two that came after that. Those are trash. Um, and then I watched, like, the first one of this new reboot lot. Right. And there was one of them I just fell asleep and I just... That was it after that point. I was like, no, not anymore. Done with it. Yeah. People are real, really divided on the newest trilogy. But now the one you the one you need to see, and I think you would really dig, is Rogue One. Because it's totally, it's in the Star Wars universe, but it's totally separate apart from all the other movies. Because it takes place, it's just, it's how they stole the plans for the Death Star. Right. That I think led I've seen into that the first movie. You've seen that one? I think so. Yeah. That one was really cool. Okay. And then of course... Have you okay? Do you do you, do you have Disney Plus? Do you, have you watched The Mandalorian? No, I think I've got every single subscription service possible aside from Disney Plus. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've got like wow. Paramount Plus, I've got Apple TV, I've got Now TV. You know, I just watch a lot of shows, right? Um, but yeah, I don't have Disney Plus. Oh, okay. Well, I will not in any way share my password with you because that would be wrong. Yeah, yeah. Do not do that. I won't. Do don't that. do any spoilers. No, Either. no spoilers. No, definitely no spoilers. That's that's a that's a big no-no in my house. We we are we are an anti-spoiler family. Like we're here. There's no leaks. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like our plumbers yeah, are on point. That's correct. Our plumbing is squared away. Even though I have now submitted my my NDA and I'm hoping that GW will accept it, I still don't get even get any spoilers. Yeah. No spoilers so, for you, mate. No spoilers for me. Very no sad. spoilers. No. For now, though, hope springs eternal. So yeah, exactly. In the meantime. Uh, let's uh, let's acknowledge our sponsor, Siege Studios. Uh, James and Siege, thank you again for continuing to sponsor our uh, our podcast and our um, our weekly uh, trivia pop culture quiz for Steve. Um, you guys do amazing work, and if you need anything commissioned painted, whether it's um, just merely battle ready and amazing, or you know, golden demon level quality, uh, look no further than Siege Studios. And obviously, if you want to get any painting tutorials in, or get some, or do some classes, if you're uh, uh, around where they're going to be doing their classes. Check them online, find out what their schedule is, sign up for some online coaching, learn at the feet of the masters. It's, it is absolutely worth it. So thank yeah. you, Siege. Yeah, honestly, we got some super exciting content coming up with them soon, which I can't even talk about. So top, top secret, but me and James got big plans. Well, and I do believe uh, James's work is going to be displayed tonight on the stream game. Is it not? It is. Yeah. So depending on when you're listening to this, uh, we've got a stream game tonight. It is the... Disciples of Bellacor and Siege did the Bellacor model for us, and Michael's running Bellacor. Um, and the demons, because someone basically on YouTube said, Steve, why do you always get to run all the new things? Well, maybe because you know, I'm the one who gets sent the codex early to look at. Maybe I don't know, could be that, or it could be that I'm just really selfish and I never let anybody play with any toys. 
Right. Yes. You keep all the good stuff for yourself and you don't let anybody else. Weird that everyone part. in the office started nodding their head at that point. <laughs> Tell Nicole that she needs to go back to setting up terrain for the game and, you know. That's what Michael and Nicole are doing right now. I was taking pictures of all the armies. Anyway. Oh. Um, so, yeah. There's no Battle Ready segment later with James. We haven't managed to get our recording sessions in, unfortunately, but he will be back on the show with your Battle Ready segments. So um, anyway, we can skip over that. But one more thing, the Facebook group, Dave, it is popular now. We are getting people joining every day. Like literally, I'm I'm letting, I don't know, maybe 10 people in a day at the moment. It's crazy numbers with the pod, with the, uh, with the new group we've created. Yeah, I noticed it's it's really kind of popping off now, which is great. I love it. It's it, the the fact that we've got this massive community. It's just getting even bigger and more populous is outstanding. So I, I, can't I love it. Didn't think of this earlier because now we can actually talk to you guys. Because um, yeah. obviously, a po- podcast is normally very one way, whereas like even on a YouTube stream, it's c- kind of two ways because you know people can chat to us in the comments, or whatever. Uh, but right. podcast, the best we get is our is our reviews. That is it nothing else but now we've got the group and we can chat about different things and we've you know um people can put in their suggestions on stuff and there's some, been some really good suggestions so far as to things we can talk about in the future so ideally this can become the competitive 40k podcast for the community by the community and that'd be awesome wouldn't it yes that is that would be outstanding and, and once we get through this next couple months of back to back to back to back to back codex reviews um it's uh, it'll be nice to, to get into some other um, some other topics and talk about some some wider aspects of of gaming. But obviously, we got to get through and talking about the the new material that's coming out. Um, but uh, that's exactly why we are um, we're taking a little bit of a sidestep today to branch off away from all the Codex reviews and all the chaos stuff we've been doing. Even though Codex Demons is coming out this weekend, um, we're not going to touch on that just yet because you and I are going to talk today about. All of your preparations for London Grand Tournament. Yes, London Grand Tournament, the LGT. Yeah, it is. It is the it is the British equivalent to, if I if I may say so, it is the British equivalent of LVO. It is it is the other major. It is the it is the equally biggest other tournament in in 40k for the year. So, um, you know, a it's lot a of people one. even say that what how you do at LGT could you know people that can lock in their their scores and their win for the season at LGT. Yeah. So honestly, it's this is a massive event and Zach's done a phenomenal job. Uh, he runs it in a great stadium. Um great thing about it, the you know, and it's all the small things that you sometimes take for granted, but like because it's in a stadium, like an actual athletic stadium, air conditioning's good. Um you know, there's plenty of space. It's just a really nice design, you know, in terms of you know, waiting for toilets and all the other stuff when you're at a super major. It's all kind of all kind of works. Um, the only probably annoying thing is that's in London, and London is really annoying to get to if you don't live in London. I did not know that. I I in, in talking to you and some of the guys, it seems like you guys just take the train and you just suddenly magically are in London, like Harry Potter. Yeah, you basically yeah you go on platform nine and three quarters, you end up in there London in King's Cross, and then um, yeah there you are at the LGT. Yeah, in a magical place. Yeah, but you just uh, have to well, pay a load on. of money to get there. What's that? Just to pay a load oh. of money. That's like the entry. It's not magic, it's money. Right. <laughs> That's the magic for everybody these days. Uh, before we get into all that, though, I can't forget, um, ladies and gentlemen, please do join the Competitive 40K podcast community page. Um, 
it is a great community and we're coming up with the, you guys. It is your best way, Steve said, to get in contact with us, to send us questions for rules lawyer, to, um, to give us ideas for future episodes. And we're just loving getting involved with you guys. It's great. So please join. Um, you don't have to be a member of the Academy. Um, you just join the community. It's just for, it is for podcast listeners, whether you're Academy members or not. So come join us. The password for, um, well, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be September. So the password for the uh, next month is going to be what, Steve? Dante. Dante. All right. That's it. The, the password is going to be Dante for the month of September. So yeah. if you are not already a member, please join us and use the password Dante to join us. Um, and don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, uh, all that good stuff. Um, I do have to make a mention for those of you who have been following me and messaging me on Instagram. I love it. I miss hearing from you guys. Unfortunately, an absolute diaper bag of a hacker stole my account and locked me out last week. So uh, any messages you sent me after August 20th, like I, I, I had just gotten like five rules lawyer questions too. Uh, yeah. So send them, send all your, if you, if you send a rules lawyer question in, in the last, I don't know, two weeks of August or after, um, just send it to put it directly into the, the, uh, uh, community Facebook page so we can get to it. It'll be a lot easier that way. However, you are still welcome to follow me at my new Instagram page at infantry lawyer 40 K because I like variations on a theme. Uh, and then you can of course always still follow Steve and message him on uh, Instagram at, at the Vanguard tactics. Don't forget to check out the Academy at www.vanguardtactics.com. And don't forget to go to YouTube and check out all the great Vanguard tactics, content stream games and other stuff there, including tonight's Bellacore game yeah who's who's uh who's going into bellacore tonight well gray knights obviously oh, of course that makes we've sense. got drago versus bellacore there's the awesome. big boy showdown awesome me and nicole are on deck and we commentating and, and we've got uh, who's, michael who's, versus number the number one gray knights player in the world universe forever and will ever be the most handsome man in 40k jake harding oh absolutely he is the handsomest man in 40k he is the greatest gray knights player in history yeah that's it. It's like a fact. Yeah. We said it. It's just, you know. yeah, it's just printed in stone. So That's although in, in just a, a few weeks or a month's time, he will also become the greatest leagues of OTAN player of all time. That wow. we just, just on his enthusiasm alone, we don't have a release date yet, but his enthusiasm alone is going to make it happen. We'll see about that. He's yeah. going to have some stiff competition um, by me. Yeah. And probably me and several other people. I can't wait. It's going to be so yeah. good. Those models so are amazing. Good. Yeah. Anyway, Dave, let's do anyway, this. The yeah, let's do this. So, so first question for you, as uh, you know, LGT, you know, this is the, you know, one of the biggest events of the year. This is a major thing for you. Um, what is your, you are now, we, we're now basically less than a month out until, uh, until London Grand Tournament. What is your mindset going into this? What is your, what is your attitude? Okay. So, when I was thinking about what army I take, um, I had three options here. I had Blood Angels, I had Harlequins, and I had my new Emperor's Children. So that's kind of my three options. And Kyle Grundy, big shout out to Kyle, he said to me, Steve, at the moment, in the UKTC rankings, which is the UK version of the ITC rankings, you are currently I think I was number two for Blood Angels. And I think I was number two for Harlequins. And he said, if you can get in one more event for each and do well, 
you can be the number one Harlequin and number one Blood Angel player in the UK by the LGT. Because the UKTC season finishes at LGT. And me and Michael are still unsure, and this is the kicker, we're still unsure whether our LGT points are going to count from this year. Or whether the LG, because currently when you look at it, your LGT points are still on it from last year. So there's no way a season could include two LGTs, could it? Right. So it's either, it's either going to be the end of the season and they're going to s- straighten that out or it's going to be the start of the season. Yeah. So I'm unsure as to where that's all going to shake out. So anyway, I made the decision that I can either... I had an, a tournament a couple of weeks ago at St. Albans and I thought, right, I'll just take the Blood Angels because I only had three of my four events in for that. So I'll get my Blood Angels in. And that now has put me at number one in the UK by you know, a, a relatively significant margin. However, I felt that there could be somebody that does super well at the Blood Angel, with Blood Angels at the um, LGT if it is included, which I'm not sure if it is, but if it is, if somebody does very, very well there, then they could, might take that podium place off me, the Blood Angels. Okay. And obviously I've worked really hard with this because I had, I was using Blood Angels back in um, November last year. Um, and I've had some other Blood Angel events. Unfortunately, my BAO event, where I scored lots of points for Blood Angels, doesn't count for the UK because it wasn't in the UK. Obviously, it was in the United States. So that event points don't count. Um, and currently, I'm doing okay in the ITC rankings as well for Blood Angels. I think I'm number two at the moment. Uh, big shout out to Sam, who's number one. He's a fantastic guy from Canada, great player. Um, good little YouTube channel that he's got as well. So if you're into Blood Angels, definitely you know, go give him a follow and a listen because he really knows what he's talking about. Um, Samangus, I believe it's called. Samangus. Yeah. Not, not, don't quote me on that, but I'm sure if you Google search for it, it'll come up. Um, so anyway, I thought for this one, we're going to stick with the Blood Angels. We're going to stick with what I know best. I'm going to practice what I preach and I'm going to stick with what I know because I've got the reps in. I feel like I'm also in a place where I know those rules better than any other faction in the game at the moment. So there is a very, very, very slim chance I get any of my rules wrong. Because obviously that's really big for me when I'm at a tournament. I need to ensure I play again. How I practice, you know, what I preach, right? You need to be thoroughly prepared for a tournament. Yeah. Yeah. You need to make sure that you're you're comfortable with your rules so that you are, first off, playing your the game that you want to play. Second off, giving your opponent a good and fair game and not, you know, accidentally misquoting things or playing things wrong. Yeah. So, so that's what I'm going to go for is blood angels. And I felt, yeah, I'm not, this does mean I'm not going to win the Harlequins best player, but I can deal with that because I'm just going to focus on blood angels. Right. And it's kind of a return to return to form and a return to greatness for you since you were, uh, it was a 2019 ITC and UKTC blood angel player, right? Yeah. 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 So I think I won it one year or maybe even two years on the trot. I can't remember. Yeah. One or two years. Yeah. COVID time screws things up in memory. Yeah. It's like the warp, really, isn't it? It's yeah. Stuck in it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, thank you, Nurgle. Um, so your goal going into LGT is, all right, do you, what is your, what is your goal to go through it to LGT? You plan to just, you know, is your goal is I'm going to go in and win the whole thing or? No. I mean, so when I'm go, when I'm goal setting for an event, my first one is, and it always has been, and I think it will always remain this because I think it's, Partly why I play the game. 
my my non-negotiable target when I go to the LGT is I want to make one friend. That's a good goal. We can never have enough friends in our lives. So I think one more friend, every event I go to, brilliant. You know, one more connection. That's what I'm going for. One friend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then obviously after that, I want to, you know, I could look at wins. Um, you know, last year I went four in one with sisters. I, you know, I did a really good performance with their, um, going four in one. I lost to Malik who won the event. He was my first round draw. He went first with his planes and I just got absolutely nuked by five Admech planes and the game yeah. was over pretty quickly. Um, so this year is different. Blood Angels, I feel like, have some very hard counters at the moment. Um, so I can't really be looking at win rates because don't know if my hard counters are going to come up like creations of bile. I simply can't beat it. Um, with the best will in the world, I can't see it happening because of how the armies interact with one another. So that's a big problem for me is obviously the creations of bile matchup. And I have tweaked my list slightly to try and help me in it, just get out a few more points. So my goal is going to be to score 85 points in every single game. That is what going to be my goal. All right. All right. And, and a lot, I think it's good that people hear this because, you know, everybody walks in and, you know, most people will say, oh, my goal is to, you know, three and win two. everything or be the champion or win, go four and one or go three and two. But the goal of I'm going to score this many points is not, a, is not the mindset you normally hear from other people at events. No, because I think it's actually bad to go in with a, a win rate idea because imagine if I just got really unlucky and drew creations of bile four out of five times. Right. Like that's just really unlucky. And then I would leave that event feeling extremely disheartened that I lost four games in one, one potentially. Um, but that's no reflection on how I played. I could still play fantastic 40k. I could play out my skin. I could, you know, score really, really well. Um, I could put in a good performance. I could know, you know, you know, I always say, make a friend, make sure you finish all of the rounds in the game. So if I'm going to play five games, I'm going to play five games. And then I'm also going to play five turns of five games, right? So I'm going to basically play 25 battle rounds at this event. That's my non, that has to happen. Okay. Not going to slow play anyone. I'm not going to be slow played, and I'm going to ensure that the the best conduct of the game was played in all those five games. And I'm going to hold myself and my opponent accountable to playing the game in the right way, and try to be, you know, the person I want to, you know, the game to be. Basically, yeah. Right. Now, um, in order to make sure that you're playing, um, you know, all 25 rounds, are you uh, are you going to play every game on a clock? Yes. I will. Yeah. Um, I think there's been a far too many incidents of late where people have been slightly sloppy uh, with time. And I think for me, I would hate anybody to ever think that I slow played them. So half of this is to essentially protect myself as well. There's definitely that element to it. Um, and again, to ensure that we get to all, all 25 rounds of the game are played. Yeah. Yes. And that, and, and I, that's something I think everybody also needs to understand is if you don't be afraid to, to say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to put this game on a clock because it doesn't, I mean, somebody might balk at it, but they shouldn't because, and you can just say, look, I'm, especially if you are not, you know, Steven box or Michael Costello or, you know, John Lennon or somebody who's, you know, lives and breathes 40 K 
a lot of us don't get in reps nearly as much as we would like. I know I haven't played a game in mm, about a month. Yeah. So I know that when I go to events, I'm always playing on a clock now because I want to make sure that I'm not slow playing even inadvertently my opponent because I get sometimes caught up in analysis paralysis. I catch yeah. myself and realize that I've wasted five minutes just staring at the table blankly. So yeah. playing on a clock is something everybody should do for your own benefit and you know not just because you know, you're you're secretly telling your opponent I'm not going to let you slow play me or anything like that. It doesn't have to be a negative. It's a, it's a positive for your opponent. Well, I am not going to try and clock someone out and do horrible things like, oh, I've just charged your rhino. Now you have to roll out all of your attacks and waste your time. Like, dude, if you don't want to swing with your rhino, it's not a problem. Whatever. Like, don't waste your time, mate. You know, don't roll it. Right. Um, and if someone has never used a clock before, I'm going to help them ensure to be like, you know, make sure you put the clock back over to me or I'll just tap the clock back to me because it's my go or, you know, I'm, I'm like that. That's exactly the type of guy that I want to be and I want to encourage others to play like that as well. So the other element to the clock for me is, like you said, my first turn, my first and second turn take me ages because when I'm playing Blood Angels, my movement phase has to be impeccable. My decision-making in turns one and two are the hardest. Turn three, four, and five, the, my army is either dead or it's killing and everything's already set up because I've already set up in turns one and two. So um, basically, yeah, that, that's something in which um, kind of, yeah, runs itself. But I don't want someone thinking, oh God, Steve just had a, a half an hour turn one. Yeah, but it's on my clock. doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So you said, um, you, you mentioned when we were, uh, uh, pre-showing um that um you're still your list is still a little bit in flux is that right yeah basically um i took an, an army to the saint albans gt and in that army basically um i tried out a three units of death gump so obviously we've had the bao okay where i had my assault centurions i then went to beachhead and i didn't have much time to change my list since then obviously nephilim changed slightly secondaries changed a little bit I didn't feel like the Assault Centurions were quite um, what I wanted them to be in, in the new Nephilim matchup. And also, going back to my roots, I've always said if you're a Blood Angel and your army doesn't have a jump pack on every model, then you're not a Blood Angel. So I was like, right, let's get back to the roots. So what I've done is I've swapped out all the Assault Centurions and um, basically gone for three units of Death Company. And then I put in a Death Company captain. I called him the Unkillable Captain because this captain, this Death Company captain was pretty baller in the last event. So he was equipped with um, the armor Indomitus, which gave him additional wound. Obviously, yep. he's, I upgraded him to be Death Company for a Death Company keyword. He then gets Death Vizhars. So once per game, if I'm in combat with a character and get a three plus invulnerable save, the armor Indomitus gives me a two plus save and also um, a once per game three up invun as well. So I've got basically two turns of a three up invun, which is pretty neat, and a two plus save. Six wounds. I can have a six plus feel no paying some death company. I can put that to a five plus. I can fight him on death. So he was pretty good. He had like a relic sword. He could go in, do some damage, and uh, he was pretty effective. And he was really in the list just to help me get my, because the death company have their own secondary. So if the death company get a kill in a battle round, I get three points. If I kill two units with death company units, then I get four points. And if I lose a death company unit, I gain an additional point, okay, up to five. So 
basically, I had four waves of killing death company to guarantee me 12 points. And then what I would do is just ensure all of my death company die. And that would get me another four points as well to get me to 15. Okay. So that's kind of what my army's built around is that secondary works really, really well. So in my last event, I played against Drakari game one. I played against Drakari game two. I played against Black Legion game three. I played against Harlequins game four. I was still undefeated at this point. I went into creations of bile. I lost by four points, gutted. Uh, but I played really, really well. And, um, but just couldn't quite get the win on that one. And then I then played Jack from old. If many of you who've listened to the podcast from the early days, remember Jack, I uh, played him and his crazy Ravenwing army. So, and I managed to just win that game as well. So I went kind of five in one at that event with this list and I thought, okay, cool. Right. I'm pretty comfortable with most of those matchups. Uh, so the list was Dante, Apothecary, um, my death company, cool character. I had a unit of tactical Marines, two units of incursors, one of unit of assault intercessors, two units of five sanguinary guard, sanguinary ancient with rights of war and also the banner for plus two move, three units of death company, two units with four hammers in, and then one unit which had five power fists in fusion pistols or melted pistols, whatever you want to call them, inferno pistols. And then I had three units of assault marines. And that was my list, okay? However, Dave, for this list, after getting in obviously all these repetitions, I'm making slight refinements. And I've took out the tactical marines. They were okay for what their job, their job role was just to, you know, raise a banner, sit on a backfield, you know, 90 point unit did okay. I've dropped them. I've then took my death company captain down to a death company lieutenant with hmm. a slightly different loadout. I'll talk to you about that in a minute because it's a little bit cheaper. The unkillable part wasn't really what I wanted it to be. Um, he was only in there for basically to kill a badden or to survive a badden, which he can do, providing a badden doesn't roll too many mortal wounds. And then, what else did I take out? I dropped one sanguinary guard from each unit. So the units are four now rather than fives. And I had to take out a unit of assault marines. But what I've gained, Dave, is five plasma inceptors. They're back. Oh, okay. Yes, Dave, you Little, know yes. five plasma inceptors are in my list for this next event coming up this yeah, weekend. Because high AP, high AP, stupid high volume of shots, obviously jump packs so they can be blood angels. Yeah. yeah. I can bring them in from deep strike and play a one CP strat to give them plus one to hit. So they hit on twos, reroll ones when they're next to Dante. Yeah. So then what I can do is go, cool. You've got possessed over there. That creation's a bile. You don't have possessed over there anymore. <laughs> or even better is actually to split fire. So I can put one inceptor on one unit, another inceptor on another unit, so on and so forth. The reason here is to whittle off as many models as I can. So when I do fight in combat, when they fight back, they don't have enough attacks to kill my unit. So I'm getting maximum benefit then. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the plan really. Yeah. But again, I'm just, I'm just tailoring for the creations of bile matchup. Cause for me, that is, yeah, it's pretty scary. Yeah. And that was going to be my next question is, um, let's just talk about, um, your mindset going, cause the current meta there's, we, we, the tournaments in the last month or so seem to have had a fairly balanced mix of who's at the top and who's hitting podium and all that. You know, Tyranids took a little bit of a hit. 
Obviously, Tau took a little bit of a hit um, a couple of months ago with the data slate and all that. But now we, we're we still seeing certain things. Necrons are certainly a big boogeyman right now. So um, how are you planning on dealing with Necrons if you go into Necrons? Assuming it's the, the, the standard Silent King and Double Catan list that a lot of people are rolling out. Yeah, so the thing is with the Silent King and the Double Catan list, um, the Silent King, again, I've got having the Plasma Inceptors is going to really help now. Um, but my Death Company do a really good job into the Silent King. They would do a fantastic job with those Finder Hammers. Um, but I think the when I've played Necrons in the past with Blood Angels, Blood Angels are a very fast army. I can put the pressure on, I can take away their assets very quickly. Mm. And all I've got to really do is get rid of their scoring units, and their Catans can just go around and table me. That's completely fine. Um, I'm happily getting tabled by Necron Catans, providing I can get rid of all of their scoring uh, capability first. And I think Blood Angels have got the speed. And if they've got like, I don't know, 20 warriors or 20 um, flayed ones, which are really strong, that's where my Plasma Inceptor is going to get maximum amount of shots, strength eight, minus four AP, two damage. You know, they should, providing they do what I hope they do, start doing some real work for me. So fingers crossed that does well. Having the Plasma Inceptors as well will really help me in the Sisters matchup because I got a little bit of range threat where Armor of Contempt won't be too much of an issue. So that should hopefully help into Sisters. Again, lots of shots. And um, yeah, just can help me at range a little bit where maybe I can't reach out with the jump back unit or want to trade a unit. So yeah, that's hopefully where the Plasma Inceptors will fill some of those gaps for me. But we're going to see. I really don't yeah. know how it's going to shake out. Now, um, what about Tyranids? Is that something that they seem to have sort of settled into the 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 background is just one of one of many opponent factions that you need to respect, but isn't the big boogeyman? Obviously, Crusher Stampede's a horrible nightmare that we've all woken up from. Um, so, is Tyranids something you you have put you have factored into your list building, or is it just sort of a if it happens, it happens? So the thing is with the Nid matchup, I've played. I played against Nids three times at BAO. And I think this really where Dante comes into his own. Because nobody can defend Baal like Dante, right? Right. So, you know, we, we may as well not even play. The Blood Angels just win. It's in the lore. It's in the story. Yes, it was close and it got a bit hairy from time to time. But the Blood Angels always prevailed, right? So I think... Right. It's printed, it's printed fact. We don't have to worry about it. Moving on. It's just like a zero CP stratagem. Um, no, in <laughs> fairness, um, in fairness, uh, they are a tough matchup for anybody. They really are. They're very durable. Um, but hopefully, again, with the way that my army scores, I can outscore it. Again, I'll get tabled. If I can outscore it, I'll just get my 85 points, maybe more, then I'm in the game. Yeah? My, you know, okay. in some of these are mission-specific. So when me and Michael talk about, you know, preparing people for a tournament, we've got our MTM approach. We look at the missions, we look at the terrain, and then we look at the meta. And they are the three categories we tailor our list around. And every time, every single time we play, we make adjustments to think, right, where's the hardest matchup? Where's the weaknesses of the army? How can I change my list? What are the opportunities when we do our SWOT analysis, which we teach on the academy? Where's the opportunities here to adjust my list? Okay. And then put those in. So for example, we always say, look, you know, reread your codex. 
every time a new faction comes out, reread your codex. Because there's stratagems in there that you probably forgot about. So as a Blood Angel player, I completely forgot that there's a 1CP stratagem in the Space Marine Codex to re-roll hits against Chaos, Heretic Astartes units. Oh, yeah. Then, in the Blood Angel book, there's a 1CP stratagem to re-roll all hits and all wounds against Black Legion units. Ah. Yeah. Now listen to this, Dave. This is called the Archangel's Shard. This is like one of those weird relics. It's not like your Blood Angel relics. It's like a relic on the other side of the page, like in the special right. equipment relics. It's, we, in the same, I remember that being thrown in the same dumpster bin category as relic pistols. Yeah, or like that, that one where it's like you make an extra attack and the attack sequence ends, you do a mortal wound and the extra armor save, whatever, right? Right. Listen to this. So, it replaces a power sword. The Archangel's, the Archangel's shard. It's melee, obviously. Plus two strength, so I'm strength six, minus four AP, two damage. So this goes up to minus five when I'm in the Assault Doctrine. Armor of Contempt, I don't care. Right. Flat two damage this power sword. Each time an attack made with this weapon is allocated to a model in a chaos unit, that attack has the damage characteristic of three. Okay. Ah. How many wounds have Chosen got? Three. Three. How many of Chaos Terminators got? Three. Right. Yeah. But each time an attack made with this weapon is allocated to a model in a Chaos Monster unit, what's just come out? Chaos Demons. Right. That attack has a damage characteristic of four. I've got a flat four power sword. Which is nice. It's brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Um, now, the, the lieutenant gets three attacks base, plus three for charging, because... He's a death company. He's a space marine. He's a blood angel. So that's six attacks. Then he can use his once per game ability to get an extra attack. So that's seven attacks. Hitting on twos. I could chat to master, reroll him. Um, yeah, pretty good. Okay. Yeah. So, so he's going to be carrying this angelic shard just as a, or the archangel shard as a, for that creations of bile, black legion, chaos demons. Whatever. Yeah. Just go in and Whatever. kill something. But even like, Strength six minus four, two damage is great into Eldar because you're at strength six, you're wounding T3 on twos. Yeah. Um, it's actually a really nice profile. So for me, you know, looking over that and, you know, you wait up, you think, oh, Mastercrafted, this could be good. T for Terra could be nice. But again, this is what we're looking at. We're looking at the meta. So it's only a very, very subtle change. And again, this weekend is going to be a fantastic use and practice of it. Did I think it was worth it or am I better off just with Mastercrafted Lightning Claw, for example? We'll see. And this is the right. testing. This is why you have to test your list. But my list so far is, I would say, 80% complete. It's only then looking at the little minutia part. You know, do I want Power Fist rather than Thunder Hammers? Because a Power Fist and an Inferno Pistol is the same points as a Thunder Hammer on a Death Company model. So which is better for me? Is this guy any better than Lamartes? Lamartes can give me plus one to wound with shooting. So if I did take Inferno pistols, then all of a sudden they're, you know, plus one to wound with Inferno pistols. There's lots of different cool combos you can do, but it's again, practice. And then also finding a play style that works for you as well. So that's the other, the other thing that you need to consider. So yeah. Okay, cool. Um, any other boogeymen out there that you are specifically keeping in mind when you're tailoring your list or not tailoring, but when you're, when you're tweaking your list for, uh, for LGT, or are you going to kind of wait and see what happens this weekend at Arfurture? 
Yeah, I think if I find myself getting mortal wounded a lot, there might be room for me to take the Soul Warden Warlord trait on one of my characters to give me a 5 plus fill no pain against mortal wounds. Okay. That might be something I put back in the list. Um, again, we'll see how we'll see how prevalent Zinch demons are um, going forward. Obviously, it's really tough to know because I don't think Zinch demons will be in for this weekend because the Codex is literally out on the same day. Right. Um, but they probably will be out for LGT, I can imagine. So that's kind of a bit of an unknown factor. Um, Chaos Knights can be a bit of a problem with their um, dread range, but luckily my banner gives me plus one leadership. And again, it might be worth taking Dante for his plus one leadership as well, Warlord trait. So again, that helps me in the Chaos Knight matchup. So really it can depend, because I don't want to be failing charges, obviously that'd be real annoying as a Blood Angel player. And again, yes. that's a little bit more why I'm you know, steering towards hammers rather than power fist just to get that flat three damage in. And then it's just to see the, you know, the usefulness of this plasma inceptor unit as well now. So that's going to be my next kind of, because they're like 300 points. So it's a lot of investment's gone into that unit. I need oh, to yeah. Sure Packing their, pack their weight, really. Yeah. As you were talking about things you were taking out of your list, I'm like, you're, I was ticking it in my head. I'm like, you're at like 280 points. What are you putting into your list? The yeah. three, five, Five strong plasma scepters is answers the question, or is it six? It's five, yeah. Because okay. with five, coherency is a little bit better for me, unit coherency. Right. And I think five plasma scepters should do work against most things. And obviously, I can bring one back because of the apothecary. So a little bit how I was running the centurions, it might work in a similar way. I might get more value out of them um, because typically I I have been just sacrificing my apothecary because I don't never really bring back a model. But now it might be worth just keeping one alive a little bit longer to um, bring back some of these guys over the course of the game. So, yeah, could be okay. could be a good option. Yeah, cool. All right, so let's let's talk about some other um, practical considerations outside the game. So, um, you know, obviously, you, it's a it's a bit of it's a little bit of a trip for you to get to London from where you live. So, um, what are the things that you're gonna like? What's on your packing list when you leave for the weekend? Because I'm assuming you're gonna go to London and stay in a hotel. Yeah. So, um, so besides obviously, you know, clean clothes and soap, um, what, like for, for, for things you want to walk up to the table with besides your army and your codex and your rules, what's, what's on your packing list? What are the things you, that you have to bring? Well, my VT dice, obviously. Right. Obviously. Vanguard tactics, objective markers, my army tray, probably use the, uh, the FLG when I've got the frontline gaming tray, which packs up, which is cool. Cause I can go on my back. Um, and obviously I've got my army and then I've got my whiteboard and my whiteboard pen and my whiteboard rubber so that I can do the scores on my whiteboard. And then it's really good to show me, show my opponent. I much prefer it rather than nap. Then I've got my weird dice, like dice for objective markers, wound counters, stuff like that. Little markers. Because also I've been gotcha moment recently, uh, with stuff in transports and things. So I'm just going to take tokens now where I can throw it down on enemy units. If it's got stuff in just for my own recollection of my opponent's mm -hmm. models. Um, so yeah, probably some tokens. Um, and then obviously my camera equipment because we're running the Vanguard Tactics workshop. Oh, right. So yeah, you obviously have to bring that along. Yeah, because the Vanguard Tactics workshop, there are still some spaces remaining. Apparently I did ask Zach, he said, yeah, you still got some, we're not quite at capacity yet. So, um, basically the Vanguard Tactics workshop, bit of a cheeky plug here, but we'd love for you guys to come, if, especially if you're in the UK and you want to make the most of the event then we are doing the workshop on Friday the 30th of September. So this is basically the day before the main event kicks off from 3 until 8 p.m. So we've got a good five hours there of just 
us helping you. All of the coaches will be there helping you with your army, getting some fantastic games in. So um, yeah, it's just a really good way to, you know, build a community, meet people, get some practice games in under controlled environment where everyone's trying to play the same right way. So then the next day you feel really confident and clear with what you have to do. So um, yeah, come to the Vanguard Tactics Workshop at the LGT. Um, Tickets are available. We'll put them in the Facebook group and also you can find them on www.lgdpresents.co.uk forward slash VT. Head there and um, yeah, grab your tickets or message me on Instagram if you want them. Awesome. And I know I've, I've uh, said this before uh, with, with regards to other workshops. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you are going to LGT to play, or even if you're just in the London area and you know that you're going to be going to other events, or even if you just want to see what 40K is about, you, you stumbled upon our podcast and you're like, hmm, what's this 40K thing they're speaking of? You can actually go and see and get some hands-on practice. And for those who are going to go to events who are playing at LGT, remember, this is the night before the first uh, the event starts. So that means you can go get a look at the terrain. You can go get a look at, you know, the hall. You can kind of map yourself out because the worst thing in the world is walking up to an event going, wait, where do, where am I going? Where do I check in at? Where's, uh, oh God, the terrain, it's too much or it's too little. It's not what I prepared for. It's not used to, it's not what I'm used to playing at in my game yeah. store or in my garage or whatever. We can help you with all the deployments. We're going to help you with the battle plan for all the missions. So you can rock up to the table knowing, right, this is what I need to do on this mission. Um, this way you know you know how to deploy your army, what you need to be doing, whether you need to be playing fast, playing slow in terms of the tempo of the game, we're going to help you. You'll be using your army on the table. If you don't have an army, then there could be a possibility you can borrow one. You will just need to message me on Instagram because one person, uh, when we did the BAO one, um, he used my Blood Angels for the first time. He was like, cool, just get an instant game and uh, use my Blood Angels. I was like, yeah, cool, you can use my army, no problem. So we do want to help people get stuck in. So Obviously, I have my camera gear, um, uh, you know, some business cards, whatever, when people ask me for different stuff, good place for them to check out. Obviously, all my rule books, clothes, and that's probably about it, I would say. Oh, and then probably about a million protein bars, water, monster. Um, yeah, camera gear said that. Yeah, because I'm yeah. going to try and vlog this event, but it's really hard trying to play, vlog, and talk to people. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I can't even remember to take pictures at events because I'm so focused on the next game. Um, yeah, it's but, like, they, you know when they say never work with dogs, animals, and dinosaurs? That common expression. Or children. What did I say? I think it's, you said dogs, animals, or dinosaurs. Yeah, children as well. Dogs, yeah. dogs, children, and dinosaurs. Although, you know. Animals, animals, children, and dinosaurs. Yeah, don't work with any of those three. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're just super hard to work with. It's, it's kind of the same. Playing Warhammer, trying to vlog yourself, and then talk to people. It's just hard. Yeah. You can, I can um, normally do two of three, but not all three. So one's going to have to give. I can either right. vlog yeah. and talk to people and not play Warhammer. I could vlog, play Warhammer, and not talk to people. Or talk to people and play Warhammer and not vlog. It, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Right. Which, you know, with, all, with, with well, the plan being to go there and make friends, it kind of, you want to. You know, the, the, the top two purposes are that you're going there is play Warhammer and meet people. So yeah. the vlogging is just going to have to take a hit. See what so, can do. Right. Um, so, and obviously, um, it, not to give another shameless plug, but it, it benefits everybody to, you know, um, don't be afraid to go for a walk, uh, you know, every night after dinner or in the morning before you go to work or something. Start working on your fitness a little bit. Even the smallest little bit of fitness will help you because by the middle of day two of any, two-day event 
your your brain is going to turn into nice smooth jello and your legs are going to get tired your back's going to be sore from bending over the table and rolling dice and moving models fitness there's a reason that you started the fit for 40k and it's not just you know yeah because you you know people should be fit it is it is a benefit to your playing as well it it gives you a, a distinct advantage if you know especially in those later games each day because it is tiring to be standing on your feet um, like all for the last few weeks, um, you know, I've been going to the gym a lot, working on, you know, training with full range of motion, making sure that I've got good mobility. I've also been increasing my steps as well, just to include my cardio a little bit. Uh, I'm going on holiday, uh, literally the week before the LGT. Uh, I'm in Italy for a week, so that'll be really nice. But again, I'm going to be doing plenty of walking there, relaxation. I'll just have to try and find a gym somewhere to keep that going, getting some good uh, Mediterranean food. Um, but yeah, in the week leading up, it's going to be a case of making sure I'm well fed, eating, eating and training just to make sure when I am at the event, I'm on my peak physical, mental, um, you know, capacity really, because it's really important because like I said, it, it is extremely tiring having to play. And then also talking to my coaches, my team, students on the academy, people that come up to me and say, hi, like, I love it. It's like literally the best is why I go. It's probably more important to me than actually playing the game. But at the end of the day, I do feel like I'm like, wow, that was a long day. Um, so making sure that I'm staying hydrated, not getting a headache, you know, all these little things that you just need to keep reminding yourself to do, like drink often, um, you know, a little bit of even like stretching in the morning can be super helpful, brisk walk, get some fresh air, all that kind of stuff is good. And then also find time to, you know, have a timeout. Sometimes I'll disappear for 20 minutes uh, during, during the event and that just helps me you know, maybe I'll go to the shop or something with a friend and just kind of chill for 20 minutes to get my breath back um, and go from there again. So, yeah. Oh, I thought when you did that at LVO, I thought that was when you were getting your uh, IV drip of Monster. Yes. No, but let's stay. Let's not talk about that, okay? Let's <laughs> not tell everyone my secrets. Yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it, hydration, fitness, eating, don't be afraid. Like, I always keep um, some uh, granola bars and, and protein bars in my bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the other thing I, that a lot of people bring to events, if you, if you haven't been to a, to a big event and this is going to be your first one, or you're going to one soon, you should look into getting a, a folding cart. A lot of people will do those, especially in bigger halls, because not only is it a place, is it that way you're, you're not carrying your, your tray around and bumping into people. You're, you can roll it on the ground, but it also, it creates the, the three tiered ones have like additional shelves for you to like store your books and all that kind of stuff. So you're not crowding the play space on the table. You yeah, know. basically, for everyone in the UK, basically what uh, Dave means is a tea tray, a, t- a tea trolley. Get yourself yeah, a tea that trolley. thing. Yeah, because that's what you bring <laughs> out. What you do, Dave, is you, you put your afternoon tea on that and scones and you wheel that out. Got it. Tea and scones. And then, um, yeah, you, you, you just don't put the tea and scones. You, you have your army on top of it instead. Yeah. Right. But don't eat the models. No, don't. Yeah. So um, is that, do you all still do that or is that just a relic of? The ages past. What? Tea and scones? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Every day. Yes, everybody has tea time every day? Yeah. Oh, okay. Absolutely. When was the last All time right. you went to the UK? Uh, never. I haven't, I, well, not so true. I was there for like a couple hour layover when we were refueling on our way back from Afghanistan. So I did yeah. not get to see any part of or interact with anything in the UK. Well, you so. didn't have afternoon tea and scones every day. Wow. Dave, when no. you come here, mate, you've got it. Ooh, just- I'm looking forward to it. However, there is a bit of contention around 
well, there's a few bits of contention around making tea and also scones, whether you put the, the, the cream on or the jam on first. Yes, I can really, understand. It is a contentious point. Um, yeah. I would normally go for probably jam first because I find the cream just easier just to stick on after the jam. But that's my cream. Do you mean butter? I mean cream, cream, like clotted cream. We, what, I don't know what that is. Like we, when you say cream, like heavy whipping cream, like stuff we use to like bake with and stuff. Yeah, it's, I, I suppose it's kind of like whipping cream. Whipping cream for us is what comes out of a squirty can, though. Right. Yeah. No, that's whipped cream for us. Right. So you have whipping cream and you have whipped cream. Right. Oh, whipping damn. cream is like it's just it's it's like heavy milk. Yeah, like, but it's really liquidy. You saying putting cream on? No, no, it's not. It would be like pouring. No, no, it's not. No, it's not like that. It is like it's really the viscosity. Is that the word? Really, really intense. Yeah, like like sour cream. Um, no thicker than sour cream. Um, it's oh, really hard. Have you ever had like marshmallow fluff? Yeah, yeah. It's a bit like that kind of consistency. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. It's like real thick clotted cream. Yeah. Cool. All right. And, and thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us on our um, cross-cultural um, uh, dietary discussion here on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Stephen yeah. takes scones to the LGT is the headline of this show. That's yeah. right. That is the title of this episode. Stephen takes scones to the uh, LGT. In- uh, LT- and, and part two will be tea time at LGT. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's another bit of contention, whether it's scones or scones. It could be either or depending on where you're from. Yeah, I, I always pronounced it scones because that I just have seen the written word. I you know I haven't heard scones. anybody actually from the UK pronounce the word. So yeah, that's why I thought you know I always see it on TV shows. So I thought that was something y'all stopped doing like a hundred years ago. I just figured uh, that was a. No, we're know. still not sure to this day. It's a you know big old debate. Anyway, um, that's very political. We won't go into it because obviously we try and keep politics off the show. Whether right. you're scones or scones. Um, but anyway, <laughs> about the uh, LGT, Dave. Uh, what's that? Do you have any more questions for me about the LGT? Um, yeah, one. Okay. So here's, and I think this is a, this is a good one that we needed to, to touch on is how do you deal with people when you have an opponent that you don't want to ruffle feathers, you don't want to cause a, a scene, but at the same time you have someone who, whether intentionally or even more often, it's frankly, it's unintentional is not, is, is follow is playing wrong. They're playing their list wrong. They're not following a rule or you suspect they're, potentially outright cheating like um what what is the you know how do you as the ambassador literally uh, the ambassador of sportsmanship and fair play in 40k um what what is your approach to dealing with someone when you they when you you can see that they're playing a role wrong regardless of their of your perceived intention yeah so obviously um and i can actually draw on some fairly i suppose recent experience um I try to nip it in the bud as soon as possible, as soon as I see it. Um, so typically, if somebody says, this is a rule that I have, I'll say, do you mind if you can check that for me? Or are you just, can you please check it? Even if I think in my head, I'm pretty sure that's not how that works. I'm just offering up, can you please check it for me? That is simply it. Um, and if they're right, great. If they're wrong, then cool. We'll play it the other way that it's actually written. Okay, so that's the first one. Nip it in the bud. If it sounds too good to be true, then check it. Um, and often the great thing is I can normally read people quite well. So if somebody says, Steve, not a problem. We'll check that now because I want to make sure I get it right. 
that's exactly the attitude we want. Normally, you can kind of tell when somebody and they're like, no, no, it's definitely us playing. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely it. And they're not bothering to check. I'm like, can you still check it for me? Like, even if somebody tells me, no, mate, 100%, this is exactly how it is. Until I read it, whatever they say to me in between me asking, can you check it and me reading it and us going through it together doesn't matter. And I think that's where we just go, look, obviously you think it's that because if you didn't, you wouldn't have said it in the first place, but I still want to check it anyway. And if it's not there, we need to make sure we have the FAQ as well. So let's check that point as well. And if it's still good, too good to be true and you can't decide on the outcome because of the way it's written, then go and get a TO. It's very simple. The goal of this is to find the correct answer for the event. And that's it. That's simply all I want to do is keeping, uh, I suppose, transparency across the board with how rules need to be interacted. Because what can't happen is personally let something go that might be incorrect because then somebody might go, oh, but Steve from Vanguard Tactics plays it this way and he says that's fine. I don't want that ever to come up. So I need to make sure that all the time we constantly get the rules correct, whether it's what GW wants us to play or if a TO's got an alternative way that would like us to play for the rest of the event, which is outside of rules as written, then we'll go with that as well for the tournament. And that's really important. Whatever the ref says is final. Even if for me, it's the incorrect decision, that's still what we're going to play because the ref said it. Okay. So that's really important. Right. And if you, and if you are going to be the one to challenge a rule, then you always put the clock over to yourself. Yeah. Unless. Unless. They don't have the codex. Ah. Because then essentially you need your codex out on the table. So it's easy enough. Because what you don't want to be in a situation is, oh, codex is in my bag or it's in the car and you want to rules check me. Well, clock's on you then. And that's unfair because you should have the rules open at a point in which is very accessible. Right. Both players. Yeah. Right. Which is why it's good to keep your codex on your T-trolley. Yeah. I mean, if, for example, I, I asked my opponent a couple of times and they were being slow about finding the rules um, and they were consistently incorrect about their rules decisions, then I would get a TO and bring it to their attention to say, look, I've lost about 10 minutes by um, asking my opponent for their rules because they've consistently got them wrong. Uh, that would be another issue altogether. Um, so I think you need to strike a balance there. Um, but most players would be like, yeah, of course, yeah, well, let's definitely check it. They get it right. And within about 30 seconds, it's resolved, whether it's a stat check, whether it's a rule check or whatever it might be. So that's the first thing. So yeah, nip it in the bud straight away. Do not be afraid to ask and never take an answer um, unless it is shown in black and white in front of you. Okay. So even if I tell you this is how it is, don't believe me until you've seen it in black and white for yourself and you've made your own judgment on it. That's important. Um, and I think the next thing is, let's say, I don't know, somebody over moves a model and I'm like, okay, how far does that model move? Um, and just reestablish where they're moving from. So are they moving correctly? Um, I've had it in the past, even at BAO, I played against somebody and they're moving their NID monsters, um, like kind of just, they're on like massive plates of bases. Right. And what they were doing when they were measuring around the terrain was basically measuring and bending the tape measure. And I was like, I'm really sorry, but you can't move like that. You need to move it from the back of the base to the back of the base until you've completely cleared the ruin and then you can move forward. So you need to go right, then left to clear the ruin. You can't go around it. Your base is too large in order to do that. That's really important as well. Um, because otherwise, 
there's no point in me going, okay, you move six and now I'm over 18 inches away from your, you know, potential charge range. If then you go and move eight inches and now you charge me. Like that's like the strategy I've put in place in order to be skillful in the game is now being broken. So there's nothing wrong to say, hey, do you mind if you just, you know, remeasure where that's from? And then I would expect my opponent to go, yeah, sorry, Steve. Yeah, completely got carried away there. Like we all do it. We all get carried away when we're moving our models fast when we're on a clock. Um, just be a little bit, I'll push them back probably more than they should. It's your mistake by overmovering, push them back even further, right? Don't try and take liberties. And then do not, for whatever sake, consistently keep doing it. Yeah. And if you're unsure of a movement, double check it before you move your models. Yeah. I, I've done, I've gotten into a habit because sometimes, you know, too, like, holding a tape measure where you've got a model that's moving 12 or 16 inches and so you know your opponent's trying to move you know and the the tape measure is hovering over a model like war dog uh knights is a good example because they're the the models the, the tape measure is a good eight inches off the table trying to see where exactly it is from an angle whatever it's hard to do so i'll actually put my finger on the table and make sure that my like their tape measure is touching the top of my hand so kind of help them plot where their point should be and then they can at least gauge off of that. Like it's okay to help your opponent move their models. And yeah. as long as you're not like, you know, trying to force them back in some other way, don't touch your opponent's models, but you know, help them measure, put your finger on the point or something, help them find where that tape measure is supposed to go too. Yeah. Use a dice, whatever it might be uh, to, you know, mark your original place. And I think like we need to do a lot more ourselves. We need to do everything we possibly can to be a great opponent. We need to make sure we've got all the books that we need. We need to make sure we're not taking up time. We don't have, we need to make sure we're being efficient as possible for our opponent. So we need to get involved. We'd be an active player in the game. We need to be pre-checking our rules before we do things. If you're not 100%, if you've got any doubt in your mind about a rule, check it before you do it. It's not on your opponent to call you out after. There shouldn't be a, um, oh, you know, kind of ask for forgiveness rather than permission. That is not the attitude in 40K that you need to have. Really what you need is oh, I'm actually 90% sure it's minus three AP. I'm going to double check it before I say it. Right. And that's the attitude you need to have. Double check your own rules on your time rather than the alternative, which is, let's say you say, oh, yes, AP minus three, and actually it's AP minus two, then your opponent's going to be, after the game, they're going to find out, you know, they're going to be like, oh, those such and such weapons, they were disgusting at minus three AP, and all their mates go, no, they were minus two. And they're like, well, I've been cheating out that game now. And all of a sudden, you know, it's going to spiral. So do more your end of things. We need to be, we all can do better. We can all be, be better in terms of how we conduct ourselves in a tournament. And I think that's one of the things that I try to do with my blood angels. Like I said, um, you could ask me any stat and 99% of the time, I'm going to know what it is because I've got so many repetitions in with blood angels. If I try to take Emperor's children to the event, I've got maybe three games under my belt versus 50 games. What am I going to know more about? The one with 50 games. So don't just chase the meta because you want to win because you're not going to know your rules. You're going to get things incorrectly and you're going to either accidentally cheat or potentially intentionally cheat. I mean, I would actually say not practicing your army enough to the point where you're um, cognitive with your rules could be argued that you've intentionally cheated because you're just being you know you could have done more, right? Especially for players that already have an army, that are already consistent with an army. Like a new codex is different if you've, you know, let's say you've been playing 
Chaos Demons for years, new codex comes out. Yeah, of course, there's going to be a few things that are incorrect or, you know, maybe you get wrong. But if you're not sure of the rules, maybe take a different army until you feel like you've got them really under wraps before you take them. I remember like late nights with Jack when we went to a doubles event once and he was using half my elder in the car. I was like, right, Jack, the hemlock, what does it bracket on? Okay, brackets on this wounds to this. Okay, what's its ballistic skill when it brackets? How far does it move then? I was quizzing him, you know, because right. we need to go to that tournament getting our rules right rather than, oh, well, I'll just play elder and move the models around. Like, no, don't, like, you wouldn't do that in any other game, especially in a tournament where people are traveling a long way you know, we put a lot of time and effort into this game through the hobby perspective. So make sure you back that up with, put a little time into, you know, practice some of your rules or don't take every different unit because it's got a different stat line. Take the same units because it's easier to remember. Make yourself a cheat sheet. There's like a million and one things you can do. Um, and the responsibility always falls on you first. Always. Not on anybody else. Not time. Not Games Workshop. Nobody but yourself. Responsibility. You have to take it all the time. Would you agree yep. or not? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The only thing I would I would say is that there are those people who don't live in places that are geographically convenient to get to events. Mm-hmm. If you live in Monroe County, Georgia, um, there's not a lot of events happening anywhere around there. So if you're going to be going to an event, like say that the only event you can get to, you know, for the next three or four months is, you know, an event in Atlanta or an event down in Florida or whatever. If if you have to travel a distance and that you don't get you don't have people that you can conveniently play against. That's fine. Don't be afraid to go to the event and say, well, you know, I've only had three games with this army or whatever. That's fine. You still go to the event. Just when you walk up the table, just tell your partner, hey, I don't get a lot of practice games in. I'm going to play on a clock because I don't, I will probably clock out and I don't want to shortchange you, but I still, I, you know, I, I just want to get practice in. I want to get some games in. I'm not expecting to win. You know, yeah. come in with that attitude of I'm just here to, to play some games and have fun. And I know that I'm not great on my rules. So I apologize in advance but I'm going to plan a clock so that you don't get screwed over. Most people are going to be totally fine with that. Yeah. Or if you've got like a heavy psychic phase, just ask your opponent, Hey, do you mind if I leave my codex out in front of you? And when I want to cast my powers, you remind me of what warp spells I need, like what the warp charge is. Yeah. You know, great. Yeah. Like bring your opponent into the game and go, Hey, do you mind if we keep on my stratagems open and you can check them anytime my codex is here, please feel free to turn the pages, read any rules. Um, and we can go through it together as we play. You know, just be open. It's about transparency. Um, like you said, Dave, hey, I'm new to the game. I want to just learn. I want to play. Um, I've made myself a cheat sheet. You know, I've done what I can. Got my wife or my partner to quiz me on some of my stats or something. You can do this kind of stuff, right? Um, yep. don't, don't leave it to the day and just chase the meta because you think that creation's a bile or um, you know, Necrons are the best things. You've gone and bought an eBay army or something and going, cool, we'll take the LGT and win. No. Right. Yes, which we've all run into those people too. So know your rules and and don't be afraid, like you said, to it's it's like a WWE match. Your your opponent isn't the enemy. Your no. opponent is just the other person playing the game with you. And yeah. they can be it can they can be as cooperative as it is competitive. And you can play, put on a good game with that person and have an enjoyable time. And interact with them, not just on a, all right, now you roll your armor saves. All right, now take your, these, this number of models off the table. It, it can go way beyond that. And that's actually how you build um, friendships. And that's how you, yeah. how you have better games. Yeah. You have such a better laugh with someone when you involve them in the game. And neither of you, uh, you know, you never want to feel like you're kind of taking liberties as well of your opponent. Um, 
yeah, I just think if you can leave the game, walk away from the table feeling like, yeah, I kept my integrity. I played how I wanted to. I conducted myself in a really professional way. Um, I mean, I played a game at the BAO, right? And the guy, one of the guys literally rage quit against me. And um, I explained to him what I was doing at the time and how I was moving my models. And then in the following turn, he got really salty about something. And then he said, I didn't enjoy playing you, Stephen. I was like, okay. And then, unfortunately, the reason why I didn't enjoy playing with me, because I had to keep checking his rules, that he consistently got wrong. He wasn't moving his models correctly, or he was using stratagems he wasn't allowed because they've been FAQ'd. And obviously, I keep myself up to date with all the rules changes. It's, you know, obviously part of my job. And I wasn't, you know, I was polite and professional the entire time. Um, and I re- had to remind him, I said, I'm just going to let you know you said the F word five times turn one. You're playing Nids. I'm playing literally Blood Angels. And um, you got extremely salty that Death Company have fall on fury. Like, it's just like I've got this one thing that I can do. Um, but again, it's about staying professional, conduct yourself at the table how you want to be, I suppose, like the respect that you want to be shown as well. And you need to show that to others. And I think that's really important. Um, but yeah, we need to be considerate of not only your game, but also your opponents. And if your opponent leaves thinking that was an awesome game, I can't wait to play that person again, then great. That's exactly what, what we kind of want to happen in the game. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Dignity and dignity and grace are, are undervalued in our society um, in the last couple of decades. And I think that's we, at least in our community, can bring that back. Everybody should conduct themselves with dignity and grace. You, this is, you are not going to solve the world's problems by winning a 40K game. You're yeah. going to maybe solve the problems of the world by conducting yourself with dignity and grace and making a friend. So, yeah, it's a weird one, right? Because I think, like, I used to see this with bodybuilders a lot. Um, everybody thinks because they went on a hard diet for, you know, 16, 20 weeks and they lost, I don't know, 10 to 20 kilos of fat mass and they were literally struggling and starving for most of that, train, training twice a day, or whatever, to get shredded. Everybody thinks they deserve to win. But no, somebody worked harder. And quite frankly, success doesn't even care how hard you work. Doesn't care. If you're not the winner, you're not the winner. It's right. That simply, you know, it doesn't matter or how you feel or how you know, hard you worked or how smart you worked. Maybe somebody did it better. They did it more often. They did it more consistently. Just because we've all paid for an army, we've all built it, we've all painted it, we've all played some games with it. You're not entitled to win. You're entitled to play the game. That is it. You're entitled for those 25 battle rounds if you're going to a five round event. That's what you're entitled for. What you do over those five you know, games in those 25 battle rounds is up to you. Um, all the responsibility and ownership comes down to you and how you want to play it. Um, and yeah, shake your opponent's hand, win, lose or draw. And uh, if we can all do that, then the game, we're going to leave the game in a much better place than we found it, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And on that one, Dave, I think we should probably call it there, shouldn't we? Yeah. Any final thoughts? I'm still not sure whether it's scone or scone. <laughs> yeah, me either. Uh, I also, I, I need to find out if English muffins truly are from England, but that's for a conversation for another day. Um, so, yeah, by the gentlemen, way, your, your muffins are nowhere near like what our muffins are like. Very different muffins. How do you know what my muffins are like? I know what your muffins are like, Dave. Don't you worry. Yeah. And your biscuits. Oh, yes. We are biscuits. closer friends than you all know. Um, all right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for this episode. We hope you've enjoyed uh, Tea Talk with Stephen. 
Um, uh, so that you're aware, we have not forgotten about word bearers and creations of bile. Um, we obviously, we're going to, we still have to record those episodes. Um, and we still have to do our review of Codex Demons. And then, of course, rumors abound because GW is now giving away a Leagues of OTAN model as their model of the month. If you go into a, a GW store, uh, that the Leagues of OTAN Codex is coming soon, too. So, um, you know, with all the previews, that's, I guess that's a reasonable guess, but we don't know. But there's lots to tune in for in the coming weeks. And obviously, you'll want to hear about how LGT goes. We will probably do a post LGT episode as well so lots to talk about um ladies and gentlemen thank you again for tuning in and listening to steve and i waffle on about all manner of things 40k and food related um so until the next episode this is dave Colmel for steven box saying may the force be with you bye